welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about the saints with your hosts, Andrea and Lena. Thanks for being here. Let's jump in. And like always, we want to start with what our snacks are. Yes, food first. Yes, food first. Um, You go first. Okay, I'm going to go. I picked plantain chips. Love it. And if you're not familiar with plantain, it is a banana but starchier mm-hmm. and not as sweet right mm-hmm. yeah um, and it is actually connected to my saint because it is a snack that's um, pretty prevalent yeah South America Latin America mm-hmm. um, and so it's particularly for Peru because my saint is from Peru yeah and so um, yeah it's crunchy and a little sweet yeah and I was surprised by the sweetness yes they had two types the unsweetened and the sweet. So mm-hmm. the riper that the plantain is, the sweeter the chip is. I did not know that. Yes. And <laughs> so if you have a green plantain, then they have just kind of like bananas. Yeah. Um, so I picked the sweet one because, you know, I'm all for sweets. Yeah. I will say uh, I've tried to do Whole30 a couple of times. I've never done a whole Whole30. Okay. But Still plantain, chi- yeah, plantain chips are like an approved crunchy snack for Whole30. Oh, nice. uh-huh. So like... I tried, I got them for a whole 30 because I love potato chips. Yeah. There's something and, about crunchy stuff. Oh, just, crunchy. I'm a crunchy and salty person, yes. not a sweet. Okay. Like, what a good yeah. balance. Yes. <laughs> so, but then I just liked them after my whole 30. I just kept eating them. Like they, that became my go-to snack. So I love like a plantain chip with some good guac. Ooh, love that. that sounds good. Yeah. I, I read that chips. in Peru they eat plantain chips with ceviche. Yes. So that mm-hmm. sounds like a good combo too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My saint. Oh, my snack. Not my saint. My snack was uh, cheesy popcorn mm. and kettle corn. Both um, good options. Yes. I love kettle corn because it's got the salty. Yeah. Um, but mine is related to like the general area of my saint and like a mm, memory nice. there more than like it has to do with my saint's life. Yeah. But the so, location. Location wise in a personal memory. Ooh, I can't wait to hear yes. that. Yes. So. Cool. Well, moving from our snacks to kind of the topic of the month, um, we're celebrating Black Catholic History Month, which I'm excited for that we get to honor some famous Black Catholics in our church. And so we wanted to just kind of go over what the month was about, Mm -hmm. how it got started, and um, just talk to you a little bit about um, why that is. And so Black Catholic History Month is a month that is dedicated to celebrating the long history and proud heritage of black Catholics in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it was formed in, on July 24th, 1990 by the National Black Catholic Clergy Caucus. That's kind of a mouthful. There. Yes, it is. You did it great, though. <laughs> um, and they declared November as Black Catholic History Month. And the reason they did November was because there are um, certain important feast days for November that include All Saints Day, All Souls Day, Mm -hmm. the feast Mm -hmm. day of St. Martin de Porres, and the birth of St. Augustine of Hippo, who is from Northern Africa. Um, Some major major players in the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. um, are celebrated in November, so it's um, dedicated as a month to celebrate um, Black history, um, specifically for the Americas. Um, And so there are actually... Fun fact, yeah, not so fun actually. Okay. But um, there are 
no canonized black U.S. saints, um, but there are six that are up for candidacy. And so yeah. I think that's going to be changing very soon. We got to get them through. Yes, we do. There's um, some pressure on the church to mm-hmm. expedite that. And so we're praying that that will happen because that's an important um, part of black history to celebrate those servants of God. They're already yeah. declared servants of God. Yeah. And so, um, and I'm just going to, can I name them who those saints yes. are? Or it's, Future saints? Future saints. Almost saints. <laughs> Almost saints. Okay. Um, and feel free to correct my pronunciation if I don't say them right, okay? Mother Mary Lang, Pierre Toussaint, Thea Bowman, Reverend Augustus Tolton, who was the first black priest yeah. in the U.S., Julia Greeley, who's known as the Angel of Charity, mm-hmm. and Saint Sister Henriette DeLille. Um, so those are the six that we're just praying for that um, will move through the process to be declared saints very soon. Yeah, so um, I think I want to go first because you named one of my, one of the names you just had was who I am talking about today. Okay, Is that okay with you? Yes, I'd love it. Um, So I am doing Thea Bowman. Nice. Servant of God, Thea Bowman. Yes. And um, the way my snack is connected (laughs) to her life is that um, she is buried in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. And um, that is where I have some family. My sister lives there. And so in college, um, in grad school, I spent like my Christmases, long stretches of the summer, like two to three weeks in Memphis. So oh, cool. like a se- like about a seven year stretch, I want to say. I spent yeah. like um, a few months out of the year in Memphis. So it's really like a home away from home. Yeah, a lot um, of memories. A lot of memories. And then the popcorn, my brother-in-law, his job is to do like help schools with like booster club fundraising and one of the things that he coaches them on selling is popcorn oh yeah every school has to sell popcorn right so um a couple of every christmas almost um my brother-in-law just goes and pulls out (laughs) a container of popcorn for my christmas present each year but i'm not even (laughs) that because they're really good so that's why the cheesy popcorn yeah is my i was trying to think of memphis snacks and it was either gonna be popcorn a chocolate almond smoothie Ooh. There's this place there makes the best chocolate almond smoothie and um, or like little kid snacks. So like Annie's bunnies and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I would decide to go with the popcorn. I love food memories. Yes. Because there's something about a food that can just take you instantly back to a moment in time. Yeah. And so that's just so special. Yeah. I think of Memphis. It's got to be one of those or like really good fried chicken. Ooh. Right. Yeah. So that's well, why I try to incorporate that as one of our snacks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I Also, I probably... Will say, I'm sure I'm going to bring it up a thousand times in this podcast. Right now, I'm having gallbladder issues. So, no. of those snacks, um, popcorn is really the only safe one right yeah, now. That's so the only that's approved why, gallbladder. Yeah, because I would have snack. loved to bring in some fried chicken. Of course, I would have. But <laughs> I'm not trying to have a gallbladder attack today. Um, right, we can hold off on that. Yeah. So, that is kind of the Memphis connection. Nice. Um, and I do want to say, I don't know, maybe I'll save this for the end. I'll save this, what I was about to say for the end. I'm cutting myself off. I'm Ooh. just going to get into Thea Bowman's story. Teaser. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, Thea Bowman, um, definitely in love with her. I was already kind of falling in love with her. And then when we decided to do Black Catholic History Month, I was like, I have to talk about her. I'm just... <laughs> um, so, first thing, she's a granddaughter of slaves. She was born in Canton, Mississippi in 1937. Uh, One thing that's so cool is that her father was a doctor and her mother was a teacher. So we just love to see 
those, yeah. um, like that education to go from like being the son of slaves to being yes, a doctor. That's a big leap. Right? The American yeah. dream right there. That's right. Um, and she was actually born uh, Bertha Elizabeth Bowman. Okay. And she was raised a Methodist, but she grew up going to Catholic schools. Um, the school that she went to was run by the Franciscan sisters of perpetual adoration and missionary servants of the most holy Trinity. (laughs) Is there an acronym for that? (laughs) Mostly they just go by Franciscan sisters of the perpetual adoration. Oh, the short. Yeah. Yeah. The short, the shorthand (laughs) version. And, um, so it was actually there that she asked to convert to Catholicism at the age of nine. Um, and really, uh, I did visit the sister's website to kind of learn more about Thea um, sister Thea Bowman and also about just like the spirituality that she fell in love with. And, um, one thing that came up is that she, um, was moved by the sisters kind of care for the needy and for the poor. And just, uh, she says that she was struck by the way that the sisters put their Catholic faith into action. So that's why she ended up kind of falling in love with the faith, um, and decided to convert even though her family was not Catholic. Um, so at the same time, she's also very much connected to her family's heritage and history. So while she, um, has converted to Catholicism herself, her family is very much, um, a typical black Southern family, their own spirituality, own culture. Right. Uh, so she's kind of got one foot in both of those worlds. A blend of both. Yeah. Two different she, cultures. You said that she converted when she was nine. Yeah. Just nine. Which is such a courageous thing yeah. to step out um, mm-hmm. of the family structure to to do that at right that age. and that her family was cool with it yeah 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 both of those very yeah. unique so really cool um I think also she's just keep in mind it's a different time it's the racially uh, segregated yeah. south and also um just an earlier time because she decided to become a sister at 15 and joined at that time that is so cool yeah. and I say that now because we wouldn't you know sisters would usually say like go to college first like, right <laughs> have some life experience and then we usually don't take 15-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a time period. Right, so that's a time period back. thing. So, so yeah, she was very young, just at 15, decided to join the sisters. Um, <clears throat> and it was at this time that she took her the name Mary Thea. Um, so Thea means God, but also her father's name is Theon. Oh, So neat. it was what kind of in connection. tribute, yeah, tribute to your dad, and I thought that was so sweet. Um, so as a sister, um, Thea became an educator so I love an educated, just an educated, um, I was bad a, we can't, are we, do I say the real word? Anyway, <laughs> I just love, I love, you know how, what we mean. Yes. I love how educated <laughs> she is. Yes. Um, so she became an educator herself, but also she, um, as a sister went all the way up and got her doctorate, I believe in English. So she, um, taught every level from little kids all the way up to, um, college and was a college professor what a gift right so I love that about her so again keep in mind around this time it's like the 1960s the civil rights movement is in full swing but also um, something that's happening just in her life is the second Vatican council oh yeah which called yeah called for liturgical renewal and so um, she has this quote that I've I saw in a couple different places um, But that at that time, with the call for liturgical renewal, she felt something awakened in her to be a fully functioning Catholic, a fully functioning black Catholic, I should say. What does that mean? Um, So this was when she, this is kind of what started her 
what she's known for, like her whole journey, why she yeah, is like her revolution. Yes. Her, the revolution. Yeah. That she brought about, but that what strikes me is that she, in practicing her Catholicism, she felt like she couldn't be fully black and fully Catholic. Oh, interesting. You know what I, this, yes. that fully functioning, that there was yeah. something in her not functioning properly. Like they um, both sides weren't integrated together. Yes, exactly. Which is what she devoted her life to at that point. Mm. So at this point she is, um, you know, is highly educated. She has her doctorate and she becomes known as a speaker and a writer and a preacher, um, teaching others about just like the need for cultural awareness. Um, but also sharing her culture, sharing the beautiful spirituals and music and stories of her ancestors. Oh, I love Um, that. Yeah. So her big thing was that she wanted to see culture and spirituality one, like the, the culture she loved and her spirituality at peace and one integrate, like you said, So um, as her parents aged, she was allowed to take a position with the Diocese of Jackson as the Director of Intercultural Affairs for the Diocese. Cool. Um, So she used this position to combat racism in the church and promote her mission of cultural inclusion and awareness. Um, I feel like that's like so forward thinking. It is. that time, right? It is. Like she was like just ahead of her time. That's what I thought. I didn't... I had this thought and didn't follow through. But I was like, who is the bishop who was like, we need this office? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what she kind of what she's ended up doing for most of her, I guess, what I don't want to say like professional because she was professional. But I guess her her um, position as a preacher was kind of through that office in that job. So one thing, that. the main thing that she's known for is that she was inter- instrumental in creating a black Catholic hymnal. The first one so that Catholics could, yeah, could sing their, um, their spiritual songs, the songs that had meaning in their community incorporated into the mass, um, which I loved. I mean, here at St. Anne, we have, at least we used to pre COVID days, we used to have, you know, the Spanish hymnal and like, so we're so used to seeing that in the South. Right. Um, and then this part of Texas, for sure. yeah, this part of Texas and to normalize that there are other cultures that want to see their culture represented um, in the mass too. So I love that. So she was, um, instrumental for that. And then, um, kind of while she was working on that project or a part of that project in her life, she was just traveling around as a speaker. She was an author and basically just, um, sharing the gospel and her presentations all over the world. Um, but I love this, I love this quote and I figured I couldn't say it any better than this. So it's actually from the, um, Franciscan sisters website. Um, they said, in her role as consultant, Sister Thea, as an African-American, gave presentations across the country um, in lively gatherings that combined singing, gospel preaching, prayer, and storytelling. Her programs were dedicated to breaking down racial and cultural barriers, and she encouraged people to communicate with one another so they could understand other cultures and races. I love that. Right. So that was what she was devoted to, to showing people the beauty of um, her style of worship. Yeah. But then also communicating why you should even care that other styles of worship can be beautiful. Right. I think that just um, creates more fullness in the church, right? To be able to experience how other people um, worship. Right. And other um, cultures and mm-hmm. um, races. And I, you know, just as part of the minority population, sometimes I find that like I have 
a minority identity and a Catholic identity. Mm -hmm. And I don't always see the two of them together. Mm -hmm. And so it's such an inspiration to like hear a servant of God, Thea Bowman, uh, just so many years ago, already having that foresight and to say like, no, that all has to be connected um, to kind of fully and authentically in our faith. Yeah. Um, And I think it just over time, that makes everyone's faith even richer, right? Oh, it does for sure. So that's so cool. She was way ahead of her time. Way ahead of her time. She was like diversity and inclusion before there was diversity and inclusion. Before it was cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So now Sister Thea actually, I think, lived a relatively short life considering. So that's kind of like what she was known for. But then in 1978, um, around the same time as her parents' death, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and then she has this quote that she said she was going to live until she died, which oh, I love. Oh, that's but, beautiful. Um, yeah, I guess I read that there was, um, it was painful for her, the chemo and everything, but yeah. she still continued her ministry even through pain. Mm. So she was getting on planes and going to speaking events in a wheelchair um, with wow. no hair. There's... Um, I guess the other thing I want to say is that she's so recent that there's so many amazing, beautiful, cool pictures of her. Uh, So there's some where you can see her habit and her, you know, cute little 60s bangs sticking out. Cute. But Uh then there's some where she, it's um, wrapped in traditional African attire, but you can tell she's bald from chemo. So, um, yeah, so that's how she continued on. I'm going to go look up some pictures of her. Oh, we're um, going to have to post some too, because she's just beautiful. And when you look at her, you like see the joy and holiness, like just like radiating comes, out oh, of her. Yes. Like in her eyes and her smile. Oh, do I'm you a, see that even in the periods where oh, she's in chemo? Yes. That's yes. cool. Oh my god. Probably gosh. even more so because it's like Christ yes. suffering. Yeah. So, um, one of her last big public, big speaking appearances was actually when she spoke to the, um, USCCB, the oh, cool. um, Catholics Bishop conference, yeah. um, in 1989. Um, and she was just invited to be the guest speaker. She spoke to them about the back black Catholic experience. She educated them on um, just African-American spirituality and history, and she urged them to continue evangelizing the black community. Um, and in the end, she had them all stand and link arms, and they sang, We Shall Overcome. Oh, cool. And then um, there was just a lot of accounts of how the bishops, um, some of them were moved to tears and that she was given a standing ovation at the end. So just um, received really beautifully. And um, I love to hear that about the church, too. Yeah. Like I said, so that was in 1989. So that was um, one of her last big appearances. She's um, really recent. Yeah, really recent. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she um, had a close friend who was a priest. His name was Father John Ford. And um, knowing that she was, you know, she was on limited time, she um, he asked her what she, uh, he should say in celebrating her funeral. Mm-hmm. And she responded, tell them what Sojourner Truth said about her death. I'm not going to die. I'm going home like a shooting star. Oh, um, which I loved. Yeah. And then, um, it's so almost she, like a celebration. It is. Yes. So she did eventually die, um, on March 30th, 1990 in the home where she was raised oh, in Mississippi, yes. um, just at the age of 53. So like I said, I feel like it's a relatively young. short, yeah. short young life. Um, but so much so accomplished much. Yes. in that short amount of time. Yeah. And then um, even like to her death, she is just still the coolest um, and just preaching the gospel. She said on her tombstone, she wanted the simple words um, she tried. Oh, I love and, that. Yeah. She, so her, humble. Right. She said um, her quote is, I want people to remember that I tried to love the Lord and that I tried to love them. 
Oh, I want to like start crying. I know. She tried. I'm like, I'm going to, I want that like tattooed on my arm. Um, And so she, like I said, she is buried in Memphis, Tennessee in Elmwood Cemetery. I tried to figure out why Memphis because she was born and lived in Mississippi. So um, I saw that she has other family born in Memphis. So I wonder if maybe that's where. To be near them. Her family was originally from from, and maybe her and her parents had moved away. I wasn't sure. But that is where she's buried. Um. And she was declared a servant of God in June of 2018. So her formal cause for canonization is open now. Nice. Um, so we can all pray for her yes. intercession. And I guess like I got to okay, say. Okay, so you can pray for the intercession of servants of God. Yes, you should. Because okay. they need, I believe, three like bona fide miracles oh, to cool. become a full-blown saint. Okay. So that's what I was going to say. My dream is to find a servant of God or blessed friend <gasps> and storm heaven like to them, yes. ask them to pray for me. And then I get to like be included in their story of canonization. <laughs> it's very selfish, actually. I should be like wanting them I to just like be canonized. There's a mutual benefit right? But there. then I get to go to Rome and get to be, you know, I just get to be part of it. <laughs> I mean, I clearly, I really love the saints. So yes. I'm just like, like I, that's like saint bucket list just to, you know. I feel like it. we have an obligation almost yeah, to pray you do. for. Yeah, because that's how they become saints is yeah. through helping us. Okay. In our so prayers. Yeah. So intercession for Sister Thea yeah, offering Sister Thea up Bowman. all the things. Um, and I do want to say, so this is what I was going to say earlier. Um, I think one of the reasons I fell in love with her um, is because of the Memphis connection a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, my sister lives in Memphis and my sister is not Catholic. I do mm-hmm. like going to their church. Um, cool. But when I go by my, um, I go to mass by myself when I'm with them yeah. or with my husband now, but yeah. for a lot of years, it was just by myself, yeah. like in college and stuff. And, um, there's actually a black Catholic parish community there called St. Augustine's. Oh, neat. And I have to say like St. Anne's is my home parish, yeah. but like St. Augustine's is too. Like oh. when you walk in that place feels like home. The worship is beautiful. It's just very welcoming. Oh my gosh. So welcoming. The worship is I mean, not that diff, like not that different, but just the community is. Yeah, it's just very the most. I love it. I love going to mass at St. Augustine's. It does I feel, feel like, like home. As Catholics, all of us need to experience the Black oh, Catholic experience, like have to. worship style. Like, yes, it just should be something on our list. Yes, of things to it's experience. so much fun. I um, there's also a community in Fort Worth called Our Mother of Mercy, which is, I believe, it's the oldest Black Catholic community, like west of this side of the Mississippi. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. We need to field trip it over there. Yeah. Um, Let's do it. The beautiful community, beautiful worship. Um, So I just wanted to kind of say like, um, I guess I feel the connection with Sister Thea because I've gotten to kind of experience firsthand what she worked for. Yeah. You know, and like like, the fruits of her labor. Yeah, the fruits of that. There's this whole community based around their history and their culture and their spirituality. And it is such a blessing be there I I just I love it I love going there it really does feel like home away from home um you know and there was a time when I was younger not you know like not necessarily I guess tied down to any one location I definitely thought about moving to Memphis a lot and it was like St. Augustine's would be my home parish yeah Um, you could picture it oh for sure um yeah so I just wanted to say that where I just feel this extra connection having it's just like easier to see what she worked for you know like see why she devoted her life to something once you experience it you're like of course someone would devote their whole life to making sure this happens this is such a big need that it required 
a life's work. Yeah. And you know, it's common to visit like the home of saints or their tomb or their relics. So I'm excited the next time I go to Memphis, now that I know that's where she's buried to go um, visit and say a prayer. Oh my goodness. Um, That would be beautiful. Yeah. I can't wait to do that. So definitely we're friends now. (laughs) I love her. I like that also just with your Memphis experience that um, it includes like going to a non-Catholic church that your family is a part of, that you're embracing that piece of it and seeing the beauty there and then seeing the beauty of the Catholic experience. It's like all of those things just round out your spirituality in one way or the other. And it just, yeah, and I do, really I guess cool. I do want to say the story. <laughs> How we found out about St. Augustine's at all is that um, Memphis has the um, barbecue fest Nice. Where it's just like this oh, huge like Memphis barbecue. Yes. And it's just like kind of like the state fair here in Dallas. It's just like a whole food, like week of food. You um, can lovely. enter to have a tent. It's great. We So we were there one time and um, a woman came up to my mom and she had on a saint bracelet. And it wasn't just like a black or brown one. I don't remember. I think it might have had charms or something on it. Yeah. But we were buying food and a woman was like, oh, my gosh, I love your bracelet where'd you get it? And my mom was like, um, very chatty. So she was like, yeah, um, actually not in Dallas. We're visiting my, my daughter. Um, and then the woman, Miss Diane said, oh man, dang it. I'm sad. We don't have anything like that or uh, a store like that around here. Oh my goodness. Um, and so my mom, she literally has thousands of St. Bracelets. So she took that one off and was like, you can have this. I have like three others just like it. Spread the faith. To other Catholics. Yeah. So like, then she, um, yeah, Miss Diane was so, um, I guess, humbled by that. So yeah. we just started, like, stayed and chatted with her. And she told us about her community and invited us to go. Oh, um, and so we, I feel like that was maybe some divine yeah, inspiration. Yeah. So there. we went, and um, now she's like a Memphis friend. So oh, she's been over to the house. Yeah. She, she comes over that. to the house for dinner sometimes, or we've met up just to chat and touch base. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. So that was actually how through the saints, the yeah, same bracelet. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I love, that's, I think that also just highlights like the beauty of wearing our faith in, oh, in different sure. ways. Yeah. Like that's just in a way, a way to either evangelize or connect with others. Oh, for sure. And so that's beautiful. Yes. That's that. Thea Bowman and my love of Memphis and St. Augustine. Yes. <laughs> I also want to just say that, you know, depending on where you live in the country, um, I think it's important for us to highlight that, um, that there is a significant black Catholic population. And sometimes we think that it's based on the population of our church, that it might mm-hmm. be a rarity, but um, truthfully there's been black Catholics as long as there's been Catholics. And so right. um, to just acknowledge that and know that that is like a very prominent part um, of our Catholic life mm-hmm. and population. And so um, getting to go to a, a church that like um, primarily focuses on that is a mm-hmm. cool experience, but also to embrace like when it's not a sign like primarily black Catholic church and mm-hmm. um, that it's just all one body of Christ. And that's, um, there's no surprise to that. Yeah. Um, so very cool. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm so <laughs> okay. excited. I'm throwing it back way further than sister Thea Bowman. Mine <laughs> is St. Martin de Porres. Yeah. And I, um, have gotten to know St. Martin de Porres more recently, um, actually just a few weeks before um, I chose him for this podcast, I was teaching the kids about him oh, as really? a part of social justice, Catholic social teaching. Um, and I have a connection to him because at St. Anne's, he is one of the saints here. And one of his relics is actually buried under the altar, I which know. I just found out about, which yeah. I didn't even know that that was like a thing, Yeah, um, that all, all church altars 
have relics of saints under them? Yes. Also, we have St. Charles Luanga, shout out, who is also oh, cool. an African Catholic. So. Oh, neat. Yeah. Okay. I want to learn more about that. But just knowing that, and there's a statue of St. Martin de Porres in our narthex. And so just a beautiful saint. He's the patron saint of social justice. Yes. And barbers. And he was born in 1579 from Lima, Peru. Yes. Hence the plantain chips. Yes. Um, And so a little bit of background on him. His father was Spanish and of noble birth. Mm -hmm. And his mother, who raised him single-handedly, was a freed American black slave living in Panama. Yeah. Um, So his father left. um, He was just not into raising a mixed-race child. Mm -hmm. And so... um, he was out of the picture, and his mom raised him. And at 12, um, St. Martin de Porres returned to Lima, Peru. I think they had gone away for a little bit, and he came back to become an apprentice to a surgeon slash barber. At the right. time, they were like, that. those yeah. fields of study were, were connected. connected. Yes, which is interesting. Maybe the whole scissors piece I, of it. Oh, okay, I see it. Okay, it makes sense. And so... After he became well-versed in the field of medicine and with surgery, he started using those skills to um, heal the sick. Mm-hmm. And so he had a heart, especially for the poor who needed helping right. um, and healing. And so as that call continued to develop in him and that devotion to the poor developed, he applied to be a helper at a local Dominican convent. Mm-hmm. And sadly, he was not accepted because of his uh, ethnicity and yeah. being mixed race. And so he was only allowed to distribute alms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even though he was put in that position, like he raised all this money for their infirmary. And mm-hmm. so people took notice. And then eventually he was promoted to receive like his habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually, there was actually a requirement um, that prevented black men from becoming part of the Dominican order. So that yeah. was part of our church's mm-hmm. requirements. And so that was because of um, the extraordinary gift St. Martin de Porres had. Mm-hmm. They'd like temporarily suspended that just for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he became known as like the miracle healer yes. um, for his work in their, their infirmary. So um, he kind of the essence of his work is just this like deep humility and charitable love. Yes. And so he created facilities to care for basically the most vulnerable populations, including Lima's poorest children. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that just really struck me is that um, he could have used his this discrimination, the treatment that he was given. Mm-hmm. He could have used that as like a seed of bitterness in mm-hmm. his heart. Yeah. Um, and he didn't. Instead, he took that suffering and used it almost in this redemptive way to help um, other populations that were marginalized and mistreated or overlooked. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a beautiful redemptive love that he acquires through his gift or through his love of Christ um, that he uses to kind of help change the world. Yeah. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about... um, what the like the modern day application of his life would be, mm-hmm. and if Andrea, if if you want to fill in any gaps of his life, feel free to throw those in, mm-hmm. um, because I know that his um, heart was for the poor and caring for the poor and using those skills of medicine to right. to heal others. Um, but I also wanted to just talk about, um, you know, what does that mean in our modern day mm-hmm. Catholic life? Because the way that he was treated. Um, outside and inside the church 
was a, a very significant and prominent like discrimination. Mm-hmm. And so with that, not that kind of discrimination, that looking like that, not being present now, it's kind of easy for us to be tempted to kind of think, okay, well, it doesn't exist anymore. So we don't have to worry about that. That's in our past. Um, and I wanted to just kind of talk about that we have to reckon with our past in mm-hmm. order to make sure we don't repeat it in like some other form right. um, that's with another marginalized population, mm-hmm. you know, so because the root of the sin of racism and um, isolating different types of people mm-hmm. um, is part of our like concupiscence, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to go there a little bit. I wanted yeah. to kind of go in this uncomfortable space. Okay, let's do uh, it. And if, you, if we need to cut it, we can cut it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if it's controversial. Um, okay, but I just wanted to talk about that it's uncomfortable to look at church history when it is mm, yeah. difficult and not pleasant and it kind of shows these parts of our humanity we'd rather forget. Right. Um, but I also think that in not looking at it, that is, in a sense, kind of glorifying our comfort over justice and mercy. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to acknowledge that the problem of racism and discrimination is not something that's like out there for other people, that if it's out there in the world, then it exists within the church too, because we are a product yeah. of our world, right? Yes. And so um, there has been so much hurt that the church, that there's been these things that happen in the church, just like with St. Martin de Porres. But I think that we have to understand the people who make up the church were raised in this world mm-hmm. um, and, and are affected by that. And so it takes um, looking at that and why that happened and what can, what can we do about it now mm-hmm. um, to prevent that kind of damage from happening again in some yeah. other form. And I think that um, even though racism like that, like that St. Martin de Porres experienced, maybe isn't as prevalent now. I mean, I'm sure there are pieces of it that still are mm-hmm. very much that way, um, that look more modern. Um, I think we just still have to acknowledge that it still exists. Yeah. And in order to acknowledge that, uh, that that sin of racism still is in today's world, mm-hmm. I think it takes creating room um, for voices who've, of people who've experienced that racism, have experienced that discrimination, to let their voices be heard, mm-hmm. um, for us to sit back and to listen mm-hmm. and to bring our defenses down so that we can really look and see where are places we can be accountable, where are places we can change and we can be more open and welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may not even, in some cases, it may not even be intentional. It may just yeah. be a lack of education or awareness. Mm-hmm. But those it, those things still affect people, especially when it comes from within the church. It, it, it affects their spirituality and their relationship with God, which makes it even that much more meaningful as to why we have to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, kind of one of our fallback things that we tend to do just as humans is we tend to look at a person's behavior mm-hmm. of how they express their pain. Yeah. And we just sit there, we just stay there and we're like, look, that was inappropriate how they mm-hmm. express their pain. But I think the growth and like the part that we need to move deeper into is to look at the source of the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because that like moving beyond the behavior into looking at the source of what's causing the pain, Mm -hmm. that's like textbook definition for compassion. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's, um, authentic Christian love. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I think that that's part of our Christian life is to sit in the suffering of others. Mm -hmm. Um, so many of the saints, that's kind of was their MO Mm -hmm. and, in doing so, it almost took so much emphasis off the self, which was just further entering that path of sainthood, right? Yeah. And that suffering is part of the Christian life. And to go into those uncomfortable places with those who are on the margins or unheard. And I felt like, you know, um, St. Martin de Porres is just such a great example of oh, for sure. taking taking something very painful and taking mistreatment and just taking it humbly and then being so devoted to his call calling from God that he turned it into a love for other populations that he could help. Like it's almost like he was like a cycle breaker. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm not going to, yeah. Like I'm not going to continue this cycle of mistreatment. I'm going to go the opposite way Mm -hmm. and I'm going to treat every human being with dignity and respect. Yeah, one thing about St. Martin, well, to kind yeah. of just, one thing that to him that is so, to me that's so amazing about him is that um, he had a miraculous healing gift too, or like he was like trained as a doctor, but then he miraculously healed people all the time. So it's one of those instances of like the lowest among the Dominican brothers becoming the greatest. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. of course. But then, like you said, um, he, people from all over of all different walks of life came to him to be healed. Yeah. And he treated them all exactly the same. So whether you were rich, a rich um, nobleman or like um, a cast off, like homeless, uh, like someone who would be, like you said, on the fringes or cast out, he saw them all, um, healed them all. In a lot of instances, um, like you said, he did have to, he had to work within the structures of the church at the time. Um, in that, like, for instance, I know there's a story of, um, St. Martin bringing people he found in the streets dying into the, um, into the priory where the brothers lived and giving them, uh, his own bed to, um, you know, to, to nurse them back to health or to spend their final hours. While he was sick, right? Um, no, well, like, so he would find people and bring them in okay, and like, let them stay in his room basically. And he got in trouble for that. Like the brothers (laughs) were like, why are you bringing in homeless people and letting them sleep? in our our house yeah and that was exactly his response like why um why wouldn't I do that so um in that way you would think like you know the it's a little bit of a good Samaritan right like the priest and the Levite they see um the wounded uh the wounded person and just keep walking by and St. St. Martin was the one who was like no we're the ones who should be stopping we're the ones who should be bringing these people in that's right Um, like he saw the face of Jesus in every person in everyone like whether they were a homeless person or a rich person, right. he really was um, a champion for equality in that way. I feel like that's just a timeless reminder that mm-hmm. we're all made in the image of God. Right. And just to see the beauty of that in every single person, no matter their socioeconomic class or um, or race or mm-hmm. anything that um, separates them from anybody else. Um, right. And that's, that's something that we can all incorporate into yeah, our Yeah, truly a model. And I yeah. think like you said, to be 
uncomfortable like him knowing like oh, this is against the rules but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway yeah to like be uncomfortable with that right um and but to do it with like gentleness and meekness I think um I don't know one I thing think, yeah one thing he's known for is his love of animals did yes. you see that <laughs> yes yeah, I did say that? did he he brought in animals um he mm-hmm. just like like he was Okay, so he was even gentle with like the rats, like because you know one of his <laughs> yes, yes, one of his jobs <laughs> was to be like the doorkeeper, like yes. the janitor, basically. Right. Yeah. And so like there the was the lowest jobs right, that we just gave lowly. Him. Yeah. There was a rat infestation. The story is that he was told to get rid of the rats, like exterminate oh, them. Yes. And he like called the rats, and they came. Did he have like a talking to with the yeah, rats? Yeah, <laughs> like kind of like Saint Francis, like had that thing where they with even the, the animals, yeah, yes. like listen to him, where he told the rats like. I don't want to kill you, but you can't stay here. And they just left, you know, just but like that gentleness of like, even the rats are, he saw that God in all of creation, all of creation. That's such a beautiful spirituality. I From love that. Bottom to the top. Yes. Saw, like every, he approached everything with love and gentleness. Yeah. And like a reverence. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and that humility and meekness, um, which is such an example of like how to just, how meekness and humility can actually be so much more powerful than force and like aggression. Mm-hmm. And we see that in the spiritual life. And I just, I love that about him. Yeah, for sure. I also wanted to, um, I also wanted to just end with some direct words from, oh, no, got this up. okay, I wanted to um, also talk about, you know, this redemptive love that St. Martin Porras kind of encompasses of using his suffering as, suffering as a means to better the world, um, just like Christ did. Um, and I want to talk about a quote from Pope Benedict about mm-hmm. suffering, and he says, it is not by sidestepping or fleeing from suffering that we are healed but rather by our capacity for accepting it, maturing through it, and finding meaning through union with Christ who suffered with infinite love. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe St. Martin's such a wonderful picture of that. And, you know, in our walk with God, when we're going through suffering, to kind of look at the inspiration of St. Martin de Porres and to see that there is another way um, through this gentleness, through this union with Christ where it is suffering, but it's so deeply intertwined with love that it's almost mm-hmm. like um, you can't tell the difference between the love and the suffering. Like they're just so, I love that. So connected. And so um, just, you know, if you're going through a hard time, if you feel like there's an injustice in your life uh, to ask for the intercession of St. Martin de Porres mm-hmm. of, of how to approach that um, with a charitable heart. And oh yeah. To use that for something deeper and something right. more meaningful. And as always, I like to leave us with direct words from, from the saints. And so um, from St. Martin de Porres, he says, and I, can, I feel like I can just hear his voice and how soft this is, but soft but powerful, mm-hmm. okay? He says, compassion, my dear brother, is preferable to cleanliness. Reflect that with a little soap, I can easily clean my bed covers. But even with a torrent of tears, I would never wash from my soul the stain that my harshness towards the unfortunate would create. Yeah. 
boom. Like I just like, what else can you say? Like that there is so much weight to harshness towards another human being. Mm -hmm. And so, and he experienced that firsthand. So he knows what it's like to experience that harshness. And so he is just kind of forewarning us, but forewarning us through the gift of compassion, Mm -hmm. which I think is a beautiful way to look at that. And so St. Martin de Porres, I love you, man. I love him. He's definitely <laughs> top 10 for me. Is for he sure. really? Yeah, he's okay. one of my favorites. He might be climbing there. I feel like we, you say that a lot about a lot of saints, so I'm going to be know. counting the top 10 now. <laughs> I think I need to make the list, so I'm just like intellectually yeah. honest. Yeah, I love, um, yeah, I think I just love how meek he is. How meek, yes. but so powerful. And that God used that, like, right. which is very fitting. Like, it, mm-hmm. it fits all of all of God's plan, but that's just, I love seeing that in action. Yeah. I do have to say my favorite one. Okay. Two St. Martin stories. briefly. Okay. Yes. The first one is that I kind of learned about him when I was in college in Houston. Mm -hmm. There's a beautiful church downtown called Holy Rosary. Oh, nice. And, um, they have beautiful stained glass and kind of near the confessional was a stained glass of St. Martin. Um, and the, there were rats all around his feet. Oh, so I went home and Googled. I, when I, well, I would you sit don't in see mass. a lot of rats in stained glass. Yeah. I would sit in mass and be like, why are there rats <laughs> on that person's feet? Um, and they like it was kind of, you know, artistic. So they kind of like swirled up around him and like made a frame. And I was like, why did, did that sink get eaten to death by rats? Like I would, I would be distracted in mass. And so finally I was like, I just need to Google it. So I'm not distracted by that stained glass anymore. Um, and I read the story about the rats. And that's kind that of how I learned so about cool. him. And then um, later... Would go to Peru on mission trip. Yeah. And we go to Santissimo Sacramento where um, Father Joe, he is a native of Oklahoma. Okay. Um, has his whole mission. And Father Joe um, loves dogs. And he has Aww. these big, I'm sorry, nasty. I'm, I don't uh, like excuse dogs. Excuse me. You don't, wait, frogs or dogs? Dogs. You don't like dogs? I don't like big, nasty dogs. Sorry, Father okay. Joe. Your dogs are too First big. First of all, there's no big, nasty dogs. But, Just like okay. giant and drooling <laughs> And like still lovable. I'm sorry. I'm a dog person. I mean, lovable, but like, <laughs> just like, I mean, they can still be nasty and loved. <laughs> we, we can discuss this. Later. Okay. But he just loves like, he had these like big, in my eyes, nasty, like, I don't know if they were like pit bulls or like boxer mix, just like massive dogs. Um, and one day um, we were at the church and I noticed that there was a painting of St. Martin. And I was like, cool, St. Martin, my friend. Yeah. But then one of Father Joe's dogs was in the picture with him because St. Martin is often pictured with a broom or right. with rats or, yes. um, oh, it's kind of like a St. Francis thing where there's like, so in that picture, I believe it's, it was a dog, a cat and a mouse all drinking from the That's same adorable. bowl. And one of them was Father Joe's dogs. And I Aww. asked someone why Father's Joe, Father Joe's dog was in that picture because I thought he was standing right next to me. And they're like, no, that's, um, I don't remember his name. I want to say it was something like Beethoven. They're like, that's Beethoven's dad who died. Oh um, my goodness. So one of the parishioners was an artist and painted this picture of and Father Joe's dog. Beethoven's dad in there? With uh, St. Martin, yeah. That's so like, precious. like to say, like, Father Joe, your beloved dog is hanging out with St. Martin. Yes. Don't worry. And I just, <laughs> I love that because it made me, like, you know, I saw my friend St. Martin. Yeah from the stained glass window in Peru. Um, but then I just love that he that we entrusted Father Joe's dog to his Aww, loving care so in heaven. Sweet. Yes. <laughs> so sweet. So that's my other 
I guess I'm always like struck by how he is represented. Yes, yeah. I think that that's I mean, correct. Even in our in church, the, the the statue he's holding a yeah, broom, he has which a broom. speaks to like in his Dominican yeah. habit. Yes, yeah. um, I love him. Love him. Definitely, he's up there. For he real reminds me of like someone who like lives out the Beatitudes. Oh, yeah, right. Like all mm-hmm. of them. All of he's them. all of them. That's yeah. how you become a saint. That's right. Just live them I out. mean, Jesus basically said, yeah. just do this. So Pretty clear. Yeah. He was like, why are you still asking me? I'm good okay. <laughs> Gave you the map. Yeah. Um, All right. Should we move on to our blessing and burden? Yes. I didn't think about it this time. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go first. Okay. Go first. And then after our blessing and burden, uh, maybe we can either on our Instagram page or during the podcast, we can just um, give a shout out to some resources if people oh, want to learn more let's about do both. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, my blessing is that after several months of trying to get together with my three girlfriends, mm-hmm. like we have, we've kept trying to schedule it and things are just, somebody couldn't make it. We finally got together and it's been so long, but it was just, we just stayed in and ordered food and it was just such a nice time of just hanging out like true sisterhood. Mm. And that those kind of relationships are rare to find it's such a treasure especially like to have a group like that Mm -hmm. and so um even though we don't get together all the time when we do it's like we're all rooting for each other and to just have that sisterhood Mm -hmm. of um that deep love and we're on each other's team we're just like always like trying to help each other to be holy and to be feel loved and be loved Mm -hmm. um so that was just such a blessing to my heart to get to have that time with them and my burden is out of stock items for Thanksgiving. Well, no, not food related, just like Amazon related, yes. like things I normally get off Amazon and suddenly they're out of stock and I'm not prepared for it. Cause you know, I wait till the last minute yes. to like, order that's it. why you pay for prime. Exactly. So you can do that. Exactly. And so it's really throwing me off. And so I want things to get back in stock. Yes. I like my things to not be out. Right. So. It's a personal problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous because I just did my Thanksgiving food order. Oh, and good. I'm going to go pick it up later. But I'm like, I know stuff. There's going to be out of stock gonna stuff, be and I'm going to have to like run around because I waited till. I don't know if it's last minute though. Is Tuesday before Thanksgiving last minute? Should I have bought stuff on Saturday? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I went yesterday. Okay. How was it crazy? It was pretty crazy. Okay. And this was at noon. I oh, thought people no. would be working, so I thought I was like, really like. Crafty about it, but yeah. I was not because everybody else had the same idea. But so I was like, oh, yeah, I went. And but someone I was talking to was like, oh, yeah, I went um, last weekend. I was like, oh, like a couple days ago. I'm like, no, the weekend before. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm really. OK, <laughs> like, I feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I still need to pick up some things. So, OK, um, yeah, no, that I'm well, I guess kind of my blessing. I'll do two blessings because they're kind of related. OK, Um. I think my first general blessing is that um, my mother-in-law had hurt her knee and she's the one who takes care of, of our baby during the day. So just like sweet Ben. Yes. Sweet Ben. <laughs> so things were just hectic in general without her, but now she's been back for a full week now. I'm um, awesome. taking care of him. And I just like forgot how much fun it is to like see her play with him. Aww. And um, that goes for all of the grandparents. Um, yes. Shout out to grandparents. Yeah. For but, helping out. Since I see her every day, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And that absence that like made it sweeter. Now. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't realize that um, I really enjoy watching them play and stuff. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad she's back. And then kind of on that note, I'm hosting Thanksgiving this year for the first oh, time. Oh, exciting. For um, the first time? Yeah, because usually we go to Memphis. Yeah. But I didn't want to travel with a seven-month-old. So I'm hosting here for our family here. Very um, nice. Yeah, so that's... So what's like a favorite dish or something you're excited about that you're making well that's part of my burden because <laughs> I'm not making anything that I want to eat because of my gallbladder oh, and I'm man. still waiting for surgery to have it taken out so usually I just eat like my mom's stuffing and mac yeah. and cheese and mashed potatoes like and all, that's basically it. isn't Thanksgiving about, about the sides, the sides yeah. yes um so this year I'm just making turkey and ham and green beans and Brussels sprouts because that's what I can eat <laughs> and I told everyone else I was like that's what I'm making it you guys bring you bring the, the things stuff. you can't eat, yeah, basically. I, yeah, so I wanted to make sure there were things be I kind could of eat. Torturous. Yeah, so I'm making what I can eat, um, and then everyone else is, like, filling in the sides. I love that. So at least I don't have to cook it. I just have to, like, watch them you eat You just it. have to watch them yeah. enjoy so it. so that's <laughs> part of my burden, too, is that right now, um, yeah, it's not fun to have gallstones in the gallbladder that needs to come After your out. surgery and you're completely recovered, can we do, like, a Thanksgiving redo? Yes, I would love that. Actually. And you can ju- and it just be sides. Like there won't even be any turkey yes. or ham. Yeah, I love the sides anyway. So I, I would love that. I'm just making a list of all the things that I want to eat when I feel better. It's yes. getting long. <laughs> it's getting long. A lot of cheesy Watch stuff out. on there. Yeah. Watch out, gallbladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of all the related stuff. I love that. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm sure there's lots of resources um, to learn more about. Um, black Catholic history and just learn about prominent black Catholics in our church. Um, I'm just going to throw a, a few of my favorites mm-hmm. and then we can list more. And, and you, Andrea, you more than welcome to add and we can list more on our Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Okay. A few black Catholics I love. Um, number one, Father Josh Johnson. He has a podcast. He's got Twitter. I uh, think I Ascension know him. Press. You know, he um, works with Father Mike Schmitz. I don't think I've seen Schmitz. him. Have I been living under a rock and eating? He is awesome. He is out of Baton Rouge. Mm, Okay. And I I don't know if he's come here to St. Anne's before, but man, I love him. He has a podcast where he just answers questions. It's called Ask Father Josh. Okay. I Um, think I have seen that. Okay. Yes. He's like a young priest, um, has a really cool like conversion story. Mm. Um, Just very relatable. Has a book out called Broken and Blessed. That was one of his first books. Mm -hmm. And now he has like different books like Pocket Guide to Adoration and Pocket Guide to Reconciliation. Um, So it just makes the faith really accessible, but also brings in um, just a beautiful part of like the black Catholic movement Mm -hmm. um, and awareness to that. So I really love him. Um, Gloria Purvis, who has a podcast also. um, Obsessed. Yes. Really cool topics um, that she brings in that are things like things we need to look at as Catholics that may Mm -hmm. not be so comfortable, but she brings it into a space where it feels safe and it's not like in your face, like this is, it's like, okay, let's sit and talk about this and look at it. And it Mm -hmm. comes from like this hopeful lens, Uh which I feel is um, just really important for right now. Okay. Sister Josephine. Love her. I, I love her. And her Instagram is really funny. So just if you just want to follow somebody just for like the fun of it, she actually has, I mean, it's really funny, but it's also, um, she's a counselor in an elementary mm-hmm. school and there's some really cool things that she does with them that just like bring psychology and Catholicism together in a way that's just like 
so needed. Um, so world changer and also Chica's world. Yes. Um, I really like that page as well. So yeah. those are people I follow on Instagram or Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think my, um, favorite resource is Catholics United for black lives. Nice. Um, which Chica's world is on, um, which Chica is her name. Yeah. This world's her handle. I wish I knew her last name. Um, but, uh, She's on there, and Ikendolo, who's one of my, like, ministry heroes. Oh, cool. Man, if I could work with Ikendolo one day, <laughs> that would be, I, I just, like, like I said, ministry hero. I just love the space that he takes up in the oh. Catholic community. Um, and a much lo- needed. Yeah, a lot of other, um, I mean, their whole board is just amazing black Catholics. And then um, just, like, the advocacy and education that they do, always, like, posting just ways that you can, like you said, like willing to listen and then um, just kind of look at ourselves and the work we need to do. Yeah. They just have like great resources on like um, things to read or people to follow. Yeah. Um, they host like a lot of, um, you can uh, support them and then get access to um, live stream discussions and stuff like that. So um, I think that's who I would say everyone should be following. And yeah. Just to widen our lens a little bit. Yeah. um, And to choose, you know, courage over comfort. Oh, for sure. I think that that's so important that let's not be afraid to look at these areas so that um, we can, we can be better. We can grow. Yeah. And I got to say, like, we're going to have to revisit this uh, theme or category or topic because there's just too much. There's so many. Yeah. There's so many amazing. We cannot fit this in one podcast. We cannot. That's why (laughs) we're, we had to start just doing doing it weekly because there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. So we could definitely revisit. I got to say that, that we're going to have to revisit, um, all the black Catholics because their, their testimony. Yeah. I mean, from enriches us all. Yeah. St. Josephine Bakita. We didn't even talk about her. I mean, um, father Augustine. I know. I'm curious about his story now. It just humbles me. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's so many, so I'm just want to end with saying I'm excited to revisit this and keep yes. this discussion going. And let's not forget the reminder to pray to the servant, pray for the intercession of the servants of God so that yes. they can So we can finally have to, some American black cat yes. scenes. We need it. Yes. We've needed it for a long time. All right. Um, that's what we have. We'll be praying for everyone listening. Yes. All 11 of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Yeah. We love um, you. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving.